is such a stark contrast that sits at the heart of that passage, isn't there? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Uh, Jesus contrasts himself starkly with this world and I'm really just going to push into that contrast this morning. I'm just going to get us to see what the world brings versus what Jesus brings, what Jesus bought for us. So why don't I pray? Heavenly Father, please help us this morning to see the contrast, to, to recognise the beauty of Jesus and the way he shepherds us. And Lord, in seeing it, we pray that our hearts would be set on him, that we truly would find that we are his sheep and we hear his voice and we just delight in it. And that that would give us a great sense of security in his power and his love. We pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, so let's start with the world, the thief that comes to kill and destroy, because the world claims it will bring us life, but in reality it brings theft and destruction. Uh, it would be very easy just to pull out events in this week where we have seen tragic destruction from people trying to pursue the promises of life. And it's always the case that it's the rhetoric that sits opposite to the reality. So, I mean, a much more lighter uh, thing that happens, that my bank has once again offered, as we go in, there's the posters up once again, to help me with a, with a bit of a financial checkup. Now, Joss and I did this a few years ago. We went in and they did a bit of a financial review and they helped us assess all of our situation. But we found that the products they were recommending were their products. Their goal, ultimately, was to take our money and put it into their investments. <laughs> You don't have to go to the bank, you can go on Facebook. There's any number of things in my feed that will offer to, to improve my life. That's what they, I, I have uh, solar power batteries so that I can run my house for free. Uh, I'm, I'm offered a, a software that can organise my life better. I, I've got um, help with finding rebates so that I can do things in my house or buy houses or whatever it is, or I can get uh, that second house and have all the tax breaks that help me to pay it off. Any number of things, but ultimately their goal is for me to, to, to give them their, my money, not to make my life better, but their life better. There's Facebook itself. It wants to tell me it's going to improve my life. They had their most recent campaign. Um, Facebook apparently brings us together because we're, we're more fantastic together, we're more unstoppable together, we're more of a pack together. Except that the very irony is that Facebook is the thing that, that by its business objective tends to pull us apart because we've all got our face stuck in a phone not talking to the person beside us. And they, 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 their goal is to harvest all my data and, and sell my attention to advertising, isn't it? Let alone that they bought out Instagram, which just builds this world that's based on visuals and so that it feeds the eating disorders and it feeds the sexualised pornographic world that we live in. But they won't stop it. Because it's not about my life. The world says it brings life, but it actually brings theft and destruction. And we've seen it for weeks in John's Gospel as we've met the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, haven't we? Uh, they claim to bring life. They are the, the, the leaders who are going to point people to God. They're going to reveal who God is. 
But the more that Jesus comes and he, he reveals who God truly is, the more that they are just opposing it, fighting it. And it turns out by, the, by this point, Jesus points it to them and says, look, you're not just ignorant sheep. You are the thieves and the robbers. See, that's where this chapter runs out of what we saw last week with the blind man and their opposition to him. So just to start with, go to chapter 9, open up your Bibles to John chapter 9, verse 40, and we'll read into this section that we're looking at today. Because we realise that Jesus, in talking about the thieves and the robbers, has a very pointed target audience. He's speaking about these Pharisees. Chapter 9, verse 40. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, you claim to be leaders of God's people, your guilt remains. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. That's the world we live in. Theft and destruction. And in contrast, Jesus brings life. First off, he brings life by recognition. Uh, When people hear his voice, they're revealed to be his sheep. So verse 2. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. It's this picture of of intimate relationships, a a recognition. When the, the person speaks, we know who they are. The immediate illustration is that blind man, isn't it? So when Jesus spoke to the blind man, more and more he realised who Jesus was. He ran to the voice of Jesus. In contrast, the Pharisees didn't. And so what you have is that Jesus becomes this dividing line, this this gateway into God's kingdom. That's how Jesus describes it in verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. He's he's the one that wants you people recognise his voice. So I I think about children's centres. You know, um, daycare centres and all the chaos and kids running around. And I, I think of those times when I'm with a bunch of parents and we've got the same sort of thing going on mini scale in my home. And there's kids running over there and there's a game going on over there. And then suddenly one child yells out in pain, screams out. It's not that every parent jumps up and runs. It's the parent who recognises the voice. They know exactly which child it is and they're up and they're there looking after the child. And when the child comes over to the group, they don't just approach any old parent. They go to their mum, their dad. There is this recognition of the voice and it identifies that child with that parent. And Jesus says, that's what's happening here. I speak and my sheep hear it. And they come running. So how do you recognise someone who's going to heaven? How do you recognise someone who belongs to Jesus? Well, 
It's not how good they are. It's not a question of how much they know. It's not how successful they've been. It's not that they're really, really poor or really, really rich. It's not that they're a loving person, not that they're a religious person. It's not that they fight for the environment or that they fight for equality. What identifies people as belonging to Jesus is they hear his voice and they run to him. You recognise who's going to heaven because they hear Jesus and they trust his word. When Jesus came, he brought recognition. But also he brought life, security. I mean, it's a picture of the the pen, the gate is, is part of keeping the sheep safe. But Jesus is just really clear now in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This isn't just talking about life, normal life. This isn't talking about eternal life, even. It's not about the unendingness of it. This is about the quality of the life. This is abundance. This is life as it's meant to be. Life in excess. And our problem is that when we hear that offer of life, we assume it's got to come at someone else's expense. Uh, I remember being in youth, year nine, I think it was. We were on a youth camp and the speaker was speaking from this passage. And so he brought along to the camp a water bomb slingshot because he said he wanted us to taste abundant life. And I tell you what, there were a few guys in the camp that they had an abundant life, week of life that week because they were the ones who ended up with a slingshot. They had a great time. I was so sure about the rest of us. <laughs> Standing, chatting over this side of the building and then... <laughs> didn't know where it was coming from. Because <laughs> usually abundant life, it, someone has to pay for your abundance, don't they? The amazing thing about Jesus is... He's the one that pays. This is so different to how our world works, where the offer of life is ultimately about me getting something from you. Jesus didn't just bring life, he bought life. Listen to verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you know the Christian message, you know this is referring to the cross. Jesus died a criminal's death to save us. He didn't deserve it. He was the son of God. He lived a perfect life. He never deserved that sort of punishment. We do. We we treat God. We rebel against him. We treat him as if if he's a footnote at best in our life. More often, he speaks to us and we want to turn away and reject what he says. We deserve to be on that cross, but Jesus bought life for us he took the punishment we deserve it is just so different to the world verse 12 the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep so when he sees the wolf coming he abandons the sheep and runs away and then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep even the best caretakers in this world the best leaders we have have a limit but Jesus gave his life. And I want to bring out something in this passage that uh, is just really significant, and that is the intimacy and the nature of the relationship of Jesus with his sheep. You see it there. He, He gives his life because he owns the sheep. 
They are already his sheep, and so he dies for them. His love leads to his action. It's a personal thing. When Jesus goes to the cross, it's personal. They're not his sheep after he rescues them. It's, it's not that he, he, he cleans them up and then he accepts them or, or that they trust in him and then they become his sheep. He loved them and therefore he rescued them. I'm pushing into the area of predestination because I think it's sitting behind this passage. The very language of my sheep. It's a teaching in the Bible that says that God chooses to love particular people before he saves them. He doesn't love them, love them after they trust in him. He, his love comes first. So let me just run through a couple of other passages that teach this. Ephesians 1, have a look on the screen. It begins with God choosing. He chose to, for he chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And, Jesus, and Paul goes on to talk about all that that means until only later in verse 7 he speaks of Jesus' death. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Uh, you find it in Romans 8 verse 30 and it sounds a lot like John 10. God chooses some to be like his son and they hear his call. Then they're justified. Verse 29. For the God, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be comforted, conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And how does he do that? Well, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Notice how God chooses some to love, and they're the ones that hear his call. They're the ones justified by Jesus' death. He gives his life for them because they are his sheep. He doesn't love them because they're rescued. He rescues them because he loves them. Predestination means God's love comes first. God has the initiative. It's not about my obedience. I'm not the reason God saved me. I discover God showed me love. And look how intimate that love is. Verse 14. Jesus knows us like the Father knows him. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Right? This notion that, that God has chosen to love us is meant to be comforting, it's meant to speak of the certainty of our relationship with God because he took the initiative. And then we get to the really wonderful part of this passage because until now you might be thinking, oh, well, this is just talking about the Jews. God had always said that all of Israel hasn't obeyed him, and so he would only save a remnant. He'd only save some of Israel. It's not surprising that the blind man believes, but, but the Pharisees don't. That's exactly what Jesus said in the Old Testament. So Micah 2, verse 12, uh, God says through Micah, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. Uh, so that's what you could think is going on, but now Jesus says... He has other sheep 
And they're not in this pen, they're, they're elsewhere. Have a look at verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. In that verse, Jesus sets the agenda for the New Testament because once Jesus is risen from the dead, the gospel goes out. It goes beyond the Jews to the Samaritans. It goes from the Samaritans to the ends of the earth because Jesus has sheep everywhere and they're the ones that will hear his voice. It's what happens for many of us, isn't it? Many of us are here because we heard Jesus' voice. Now, I'm guessing that most of us aren't Jews. But you're identified as God's person because when you hear Jesus' voice, you respond to him. So my point I want to bring out here is that predestination doesn't stop evangelism. Quite the opposite. If, If we really understand predestination, evangelism is essential. The gospel's got to go out and invite as many as possible in because that's how you recognize the sheep. We need to preach the gospel into all the world. That's how Jesus is gathering people together. We go out and we tell people Jesus is the Christ. We persuade them. We proclaim to them. We want them to know this truth. And Jesus keeps calling people to himself through that message. Jesus brought recognition, he brought forgiveness and that forgiveness wasn't just for Israel, it was for all his sheep. And finally, there's what Jesus brings. He brings us security. This message that he's our shepherd is wonderful because he has the power to protect us. Uh, If this is Jesus with total authority, in verse 17... We are told that the cross wasn't a tragic mistake. It's not that just for this moment evil overcame good somehow. No, the cross was Jesus' plan. He took himself to the death and he had the power to raise, the authority to raise himself to life again. Verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. See, this is the good shepherd. It's not just that he loves his sheep. It's that he has the power to protect them, even in the face of death. There's an old joke among PhD students. I did a PhD once. Um, There's this story that people tell. There's this rabbit sitting by the side of the road and along comes a wolf and the rabbit's sitting outside his burrow. And the wolf says, hey, rabbit, what you doing? Oh, I'm doing my PhD. Oh, really? What's your PhD about? Oh, I'm studying how rabbits eat wolves. No, 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 sorry, you got that totally wrong. No, no, really? Uh, do you want to come in and see my, my data? It's, it's excellent. Okay, so down goes the rabbit and the wolf into the burrow. A little bit later, only the rabbit emerges. Another wolf comes along. Hey, rabbit, what you doing? Oh, I'm doing my PhD, study of how rabbits eat wolves. That doesn't sound right. No, no, come in, come in, I'll, sh- I'll show you my, my data. It goes down the burrow. Moments later, rabbit reemerges. Third time this happens and we go into the burrow with the rabbit and the wolf and in one corner is a pile of bones. In the other corner is a, is a lion. And the moral of the story? 
It doesn't matter how silly your PhD topic is. It doesn't matter um, how little poor your data is. What matters is your supervisor. <laughs> Friends, Jesus is a good shepherd because he's powerful. When he says that he protects us, even in the face of death, he's done it. He, he can do it. He's able to deliver. He can give his sheep life and abundant life at that. So the only question is, are you his sheep? You're hearing this invitation. You're hearing how good a shepherd he is. Make sure you respond. Put your trust in the shepherd's voice. How about a prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and his good shepherdship. Thanks so much that he came in love for his sheep, that he gave his life on that cross because he loved them. And we thank you, Lord God, for the way that you are revealing who those sheep are as the, the gospel goes out and you're calling people to yourself and you're revealing just how merciful you've been that in this world that lives against you and has rejected you as God and really does deserve your punishment, your shepherd came in love to save. Please may we be your sheep. Father, if we're arguing about whether we may or may not, let's, Lord God, please help us just make that decision to trust you because the promise is real. Please call us home through the voice of Jesus, our shepherd. We pray in his name. says for i am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord uh, it's a wonderful thing to be called a wonderful assurance uh, that we are in jesus flock um, 